Today's title is The Day After. Talking about Easter was last Sunday. So, The Day After. This is our scripture. I don't know if you all hear that, but I hear stuff bouncing back, slapping me up against the face. But anyway, and if you want to slap me, just keep it going. Proverbs 3, 5, and 7 says this, trust God. This is the message translation. I threw you a curveball. This is the message. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. That speaks to a lot of people here right now. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure it out, everything on your own. Listen for God's. Part of that is because you don't know how God can do it. Peter could have prayed for increase in his business. I'm pretty sure he would never thought, oh, I think Jesus is going to tell me to cast out and fill up my boat. I think that's how it's going to be done. No, he, matter of fact, he didn't even think that. He says, Lord, I've fished all night. I didn't catch anything. But listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. I'm going to start a new series uh, this month talking about the Bible, the Word of God. And uh, we're going to go all the way back to where it was starting and putting it together. You know, you can go on YouTube, and, and I've seen some of the videos. I don't encourage anybody to look at them. But there's uh, a younger generation that's being raised up to try to discredit the Bible. And uh, because they can say, well, what about this? And scientifically, what about this? And everything. And, and I'll be the first one to tell you I don't have all the answers to their questions. But I'll also be the first one to tell you I'm still going to believe in the Word of God no matter what. It's been a book that's been around for almost 2,000 years. Why would I get a book that was written last year and they tell me that the Bible is no longer relevant for today? Hello? So I think you need to be careful what you listen to. But um, the Bible didn't start... My Bible's my iPad. You got a Bible? Can I see your Bible? I meant to bring my Bible. It's in my office. But the Bible didn't start out like this 2,000 years ago. It didn't start out like this. Matter of fact, it didn't even start out as the Bible. Luke had a great friend named Theophilus. Theophilus was a very important man, probably a businessman, probably a landowner. Uh, probably wealthy, and uh, him and Luke were very good friends, and Theophilus heard all these stories about Jesus. And so uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So Theophilus got a hold of Luke, and Luke traveled with the disciples, and he knew, had a lot of uh, friends that uh, were friends of Jesus. And so uh, Theophilus actually asked Luke to start documenting everything that he knew. And this began with what we call the Gospel of Luke. And Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So he's the author of both of those. 
in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Many have undertaken to draw up an, an account or a letter or a document of the things that have been fulfilled among us. This is what Luke says. Luke says, you know what? There's a lot of people starting to write down these letters and documents about what went on when Jesus walked around on this earth. Many, many people were documenting this. And uh, Luke said, I am going to be one of them. The thing is, is that what happened to cause all these many different people to start documenting about what the ministry and the life of Jesus, what happened? Something happened. Luke chapter 1 verse 2 says this. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. This is the thing. Luke was a doctor. He was a very detail-oriented man. And so he documented very detail. He didn't miss anything because he was a doctor. And uh, he even gave the account of the burial of Jesus in Luke 23. It says, The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how the body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. At this point, there's no church. There is no hope of a resurrection. I mean, when they took Jesus out off the cross and laid him in the tomb, they thought everything that Jesus said has come to an end. We're finished. The Romans have won again because they were under the oppression of the Roman government. And they thought everything that Jesus said and did, it's come to nothing. And all of a sudden, there is no hope. And the sad thing is, you know, throughout, you can read it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus told them in three days, I'm going to raise from the dead. You would have thought that on day three, there would have been thousands of people at the tent waiting, expecting. This is it. You know, the sun comes up. No one. No one. No one's there. And yet, after three days, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. We celebrated that last week. They were just brokenhearted women and disciples fearing for their own lives. Luke documented that the life of Jesus, he documented this not because of what he experienced, but what happened the day after. When the resurrection happened, the story didn't end in the tomb. It ended, or began, I should say, because he was raised from the dead. Once Jesus was seen alive, 
his followers, I mean, they came out of the woodworks. Now everybody's coming out. Instead of waiting at the tomb, they all started coming out and started confessing and professing and preaching Jesus to the very ones that they feared. They were fearful of the Romans. They were fearful of all of the religious leaders. In 1 Corinthians 15, for what I perceive, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve after that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Did you all know that? Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at one time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So here it is, all these people, Jesus comes back to life, and he starts appearing before all these people. And when they see him... They became preachers. They became became the ones who were going to share the good news, the gospel. And at this time, there's no Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John uh, as far as the Bible is going on. It was just documents. Luke documented it. Matthew started documenting it. Mark, actually, uh, most theologians believe this. There was a man named Piopas who was a, a religious Uh, writer and historian, and he actually said this, that Mark didn't actually write it. It was Peter that was dictating it to Mark, and Mark wrote it out, and it became the gospel of Mark, but actually it was Peter who was doing it, and they thought the reason Peter was because he was illiterate. The majority of people, let me just back up, the majority of people at that time, 2,000 years ago, most people couldn't read or write. The majority The majority could not read or write. So why would you document something that most people aren't going to be able to read or write about anyway? It was because of the importance of what took place. The resurrection. And so Matthew just wrote a document. And these guys didn't think, you know what, I'm writing the Bible. They didn't have that concept. Second Peter, it talks about that all scripture is inspired and given by God. But having said that... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not think that I'm writing the Bible as I write. No, they were just documenting. They were inspired by the Holy Ghost, but they were documenting what they experienced and what they saw. They were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And so they began to document this, and all of a sudden, and most theologians believe this, it was uh, all four of those letters or documents were written probably by the time of 70 A.D. 70 A.D. is when Jerusalem was completely destroyed. But Luke goes on to document what had happened for 30 years after the resurrection, what the book we called Acts. He wrote the book of Acts. So Luke knew Peter. He knew James, John, and Luke traveled with the apostle Paul around the Mediterranean. And so he had great knowledge. And so he was just documenting this. Luke says, I'm not the only one documenting what has happened. Other, many people are documented. Something extraordinary happened. Several of the guys started writing and telling their story. And uh, Mark is a letter which is short. If you study Mark, it's real short with lots of action because this is probably how a fisherman would tell it. 
Matthew documents his letter to convince the Jews that Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. He's the Messiah. All of the prophets and prophecies point to Jesus, and he fulfills them all. So we have Luke, we have Matthew, we have Mark, and then we have John. Most theologians believe he was the last one to write. So John knew all these guys were writing. He knew all these guys were writing. And John tells us at the end of his letter why he bothered to write in the first place. He knew other people had written as well, but John chapter 20, verse 30, it says this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book or this letter that I'm writing, this document. He's not talking about the Bible. There's no Bible at this point. But these, verse 31, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By these, by what? What he chose to write down, this letter. There are written, what I've written to you, the reason that I've written is so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So he documented, he says, I'm writing this down so everybody will know that Jesus is who he said he is. He is the Messiah. And if you believe on him, that you will not have any shame. You're going to have the life of very God inside of you. Wow. John is writing this letter because of what happened to him through Jesus that changed his life forever. John says, I've written that you may believe. What are you going to believe? You're going to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one. Listen to me. If there's no empty tomb, we wouldn't be having a Bible today. There would be no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because they weren't expecting anything after the resurrection. The only reason they found out something happened at the resurrection, Jesus had to appear before them before they would even believe. Wow. I'm I'm thankful that he did. Why? Because if he didn't, there may not be no church today. There may not be no gospel today. There may not be healing available for you and me today. There may not be provision for you to... Uh, have your needs met today. But because there's an empty tomb and the men begin to write about it, you and I have healing today. We have provision today. We have the very life of God available. And he wants to do everything through you to you so that the world may know that there is a God. And it's his goodness. For so long of my life, it was the preaching of the wrath of God. And if you, if you don't straighten up, God's going to get you. And if you don't do this, you're going uh, to be cursed and all of that. And I'm telling you, it never inspired me to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Although I was scared to death and thought I was going to go to hell, I naturally walked the aisle and said, put my name someplace. While all along, Peter... The Bible says this, it's the kindness of God. It's the goodness of God that causes people to come to him. Are you hearing me? It is the goodness of God. Did you realize after Peter, when he saw all of his boats just start to sink? Now, let's, not, let's just be down where the rubber meets the road. That's dollar signs. But beyond all of that, The goodness of God overwhelmed Peter so much 
But Jesus turned to him afterwards and said, you're going to follow me and you're going to be fishers of men. And he left it all behind him. And he followed Jesus. It's a funny thing that you can turn away from the things of the world and, and just say, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. None of that matters to me. And all of a sudden, everything that you've turned away from, he provides for you. Ah, I didn't get enough amens on that. I said, you can turn and stop depending upon the world, stop depending upon the wealth, stop depending upon your intellect and how much money you can and what you can do and say, I'm just going to lay that upon the altar and I'm going to be a follower of Jesus because when you have a relationship with him, that's the most important thing. And he says, now all of your ducks are in a row. I can just bless your socks off, what you can never do on your own. He wants to still do that today. He wants to be able to bless you because you can't get blessed enough to do everything that he wants you to do. It's the goodness of God. The goodness of God. So John goes on to tell in verse 20 and verse 31, he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The very life of God. John is saying, if this is the only letter that you ever have, just the book of John, if this is the only letter that you have, it will be enough for you to have the very life of God in you, to be successful in every area of your life, to you to have victory, to walk in health, to walk in prosperity, and to walk in everything that God has done for you, just if you have the letter of John. Well... All of a sudden, it took about 270 years for the books, these letters and documents to start being put together. 270 years. And what took so long is because at the end of the first century, there are people who are they're just copying these letters down. And now you don't just have a handful of letters. All of a sudden... The theologians said there's thousands of these letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, that are just being written down and given out and just flooding. Christianity began to explode, and yet, all of a sudden, there was tremendous persecution. Because this is the thing, the Romans didn't care about how many gods you had. You just had to make sure because the Roman government and their culture, they had many gods. But they wanted to make sure no matter how many gods you have, Caesar was Lord. And so the Christians said, no, can't call him Lord. We only have one God, and we call Jesus Lord and him only. And so that caused tremendous persecution. So if there was a storm if there was a famine, if there was any kind of bad thing that happened, the Romans would say it's the Christians' fault because they're not causing our gods to be happy because they are just serving their God, the only one God, and they're not serving our gods, and they're not making Caesar happy. So anything that bad happened, the Christians were at fault. So they began to feed them to the lions so if there was a bad storm of destruction, off with their heads. 
we got to kill some Christians. And so the persecution just intensified. Hundreds and hundreds of Christians lost their lives. These letters were starting to scatter, and so the Roman Empire began to make laws. It was the emperor, I probably will butcher this name, Diocletian, in 303 AD. He began to make laws against the Christians. Every Christian house of worship would be destroyed. The assembly by Christians was illegal. Christian leaders were rounded up, and they had to turn in all of their literature, burn it, and if you didn't and were caught, your whole family, including your children, were put to death. So during this time, hundreds of Christians, this is really echoing, Benny, I don't know if you can do something. All of these Christians were just, began that those letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, they became sacred, holy documents that they were willing to lose their life because of how valuable they were. It's just amazing. For the first time ever, people were just so hungry for more of God. Can you imagine being in, in the village and, and somebody talking about Jesus and what he did, and then somebody come to the village and, and they had the document called Matthew. And maybe somebody else had Matthew and Mark. Maybe somebody else had Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then somebody came and said, I have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were such sacred documents. And, and, and Christianity began to just explode, even during the midst of the persecution. People were willing to give their life, and many people did. And then all of a sudden, there was a new emperor, Constantine. I think it is, I'm trying to look, I think it was 324 A.D. He got saved. Constantine got saved born again. He believed in Jesus. And so all of the laws that Diocletian had made, he eradicated them all. And he said, Christians are free to worship Jesus. And during that time, all of the Christian scholars came out and they began to put together the Bible, what we know of today, because they were free to do it. And so there was Matthew. It became a gospel at that time, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and they began to put what we have today called the Bible. The reason I wanted to give you that background is because we want to talk about the Word of God, how important it is. David said, man, I, I, it's the very life in me. No, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. But you do need the Bible to find out that you matter to God. I believe a lot of people don't worship God is because they think they, they don't really matter, that it's just about worshiping God. But if it wasn't for the Bible, you wouldn't know how important you were, that for God so loved the world that he gave his very life for you. That the Bible that you hold today, literally tens of thousands of people have lost their lives so that you and I can hold it today and read it. The word of God, in Romans 10, it says that faith comes to us 
by hearing the word of God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because you have to have faith to believe in him. But this is the good news. We don't really realize this, but God even supplies the faith for you to believe. It's just people who don't believe, you harden up your heart and say, I don't believe. God never forces you, though. You know, it's a good thing. I'm not God. I'm going to say, hey, listen. I mean, when Jesus was on the cross, I've said this before. It's, it's kind of funny. It may be offensive to some. But anyway, <laughs> if Jesus was on the cross, you know, he was there. He's nailed to the cross. And everybody says, if you're the son of God, come down off that cross. If that would have been me, I would have jumped off that thing, slapped the snot out of him, and jumped back on. <laughs> How you doing now? It's just a thought. Just a thought. I would have done it too, man. I go, Father, I'm sorry. Just... I know you didn't, that wasn't in the script, but, you know, that guy would have believed then, you know what I'm saying? Because I would have slapped him not just on the face. I would have slapped him all the way out of Jerusalem. But anyway, just a wild thought. But he didn't do it that way, did he? He's a loving God. Love allows you to make a choice. I'm going to say it again. Love, allow, it's not love if you don't have a free choice. But the love of God is so powerful, he says, I'm going to let you choose. You don't have to worship me if you don't want to. You don't have to believe in me if you don't want to. People who don't believe in healing, no problem. God's not going to force it upon you. It's not going to be something that's held against you. You just won't get it. You don't believe God wants you to prosper? You don't believe God wants you to meet your needs? That's okay. But, honey, get ready to work it until your fingers are blood raw. I'm just saying we just need to... This is why I read the Bible, not to fill out a religious square, to seem like, okay, God approves me now because I read the Bible. That is not the reason we have a Bible. That's called religion. God wants you to have a relationship. He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Why? To have a relationship. He wants to be able to talk to you. He'll talk to you. Through the word of God, he'll talk to you in your heart. It'll be just, he can give you dreams and visions. So many ways that God can talk to you. In nature, he can talk to you. There's many, many ways. He just wants to have a relationship with you. I read the word of God so I can get to know him at a higher level, at a greater level. I read the word of God to find out not only who Jesus is, but who I am. I don't know, nobody in here knows yourself well enough. You don't know yourself well enough. The Bible says that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to me. I'm going to get ready to close. Everything that was given to Jesus and that he accomplished, he did it for you and me. And if you don't know what he accomplished, you won't be able to be a recipient of it. Are you hearing me? You know, when you get a job, what's one of the first things you do? You got the job. You're happy you got the job. And then you want to know what's the benefits. I want the document that shows me the benefits. You want the benefits. You realize Jesus has done everything. Psalms 103 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives me of all of my sin, who healeth me of all of my diseases. That's some benefits, man. Jesus has paid the price for all of us to be forgiven. 
All of our sins are forgiven. Are you a recipient of that? If you believe it. 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I'm healed. Are you a recipient of that? I'm blessed. I've been made the head and not the tail. Everything I put my hand to prospers. Do you believe that? There's so many things, but it's not just because there's so many benefits. That's why I serve God. I serve him because he's a light in the midst of darkness. He's my bright and shining star. He is the, the lily of the valley. He's everything to me. And he wants to be that and so much more to all of us. But you're only going to know that if you know him. So that's why the Bible is so important. There's a lot of things that I can't explain. People go, well, what about this? And the Old Testament says this and that. Yeah. Well, what about it? Don't know. Don't know. As a pastor, I've learned to say, I don't know. And be comfortable with that. But I can tell you what I do know that has set you free. Amen. Let's stand. Praise God. I just want us all to be stirred up to, to know how valuable is the Bible really is to us. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they, they were probably just documenting what they knew, never realizing 2,000 years later we're still reading what they wrote down. Isn't that amazing? Did you know most historical documents we don't even have anymore and we have people who read about what this person wrote and it was passed down by word of mouth and then they document it but the actual document has been disintegrated thousands of years have went by and they don't even have that documented but you know somebody knew about something that somebody knew and that was documented today we don't have just something that somebody said. We actually have the documents that were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul. We actually have them. 2,000 years later, we still have them. And that's a God thing. God wanted to make sure. Listen, he spoke the word so it could be written. The word was written so that you and I could speak it. It's a powerful thing, the Word of God. And when we have a revelation, an understanding of it, God's Word in your mouth, now hang on, God's Word in your mouth, if you believe it, is just as powerful as the Word of God that Jesus spoke. Are you, are you blaspheming? No, no, I'm not. That's just what the Bible teaches. But if you don't believe that, then it's just shooting out a lot of hot air, which we're good at that as well. But if you truly believe the power of the Word of God, it's just as powerful when Jesus spoke it. It'll be just as powerful when you speak it if you believe it. Why? Because God said this, Christ in you, 
It's not Mike Davis speaking. I said it's not Mike Davis. It's, it's not Debbie. It's not Dwayne. It's not Ed. It's not Jan. It's not us just speaking it. You have to believe that Christ is in you. And when I speak, it's not just as Mike speaks, but the God in me is speaking forth because I'm believing and hooking up with that. So I let it out of my mouth. Man, that'll change your life. It'll change your circumstance. It'll change situations for you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness. Lord, I just believe that we'll have an appreciation and an honor for your, your word so that we will become more believers of what you have done for us. You did it for us. So I'm grateful. May our church family just have an appreciation and a hunger for the word of God so that we would be doers and, and so that, Father, the most important thing is so we will have a greater relationship with you. Realize how much you truly do love us. You truly do love us. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.